0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Legionnaires. Welcome again to this Legion Myth live stream, episode one twenty six on this wonderful day in August. I want to thank you all for joining us. Happy that you're here. And normally you'd be hearing the dulcet tones of Garthon the Death Seeker along with me, Brett Dog Gosmer. but today is a very special day. Garthon is out of country. That's right, he's in Argentina in a post-World War II hidey-hole, uh, because of a snafu with some NSA, CIA, something, it's all kind of shady, I don't know what, but I got someone helping us today. Today with us I have Sean Cthulhu-Law McKinney, go ahead and say hi, Sean. Hello everyone. Alright, that's a good one, alright, now we're gonna go into our segments, let's check this out. Alright, hello, hello, alright. Uh, we are here and we are done. Okay, today we got we got some good stuff for you today. We have uh, uh, My Heathen Dogma coming at you with Mythos Creatures. All the creatures in the Cthulhu Mythos, well, not all of them. I'm going to give some examples, but I'm going to talk about all of them. And then we have Cthulhu Law giving us a teachable moment. Uh, he went to Necronomicon. He's got some pictures, and he wants to share them with you. And after that, we have Garthon, not in real life, in electrical life. That's right, we have him for... Uh, uh, a pre-recorded message before he went away, and he's gonna—he's going to uh, tell us about Act Razor from the SNES. And I believe this is back in '92. Don't worry, he tells us in a second exactly where it's from. And then after that, we're gonna go into our RNG, where we talk about random stuff that's happened during the week. Uh, whatever is nerdy, whatever is cool, whatever gamey, we can do it. And then but first, we're gonna go into our disclaimer. Disclaimer says the opinions. Oh wait, hang on. The opinions expressed in this episode are solely the opinions of the individual host or commentator, and are not representative of the entire Legion of Myth organization. While we make an effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere, there may be the occasional use of foul or offensive language. Thank you for your understanding and continued viewership. How was that? Was that that very hosty? Did you like that? I thought you were replaced with a professional. Oh, outstanding. That's what I go for in my real life. That's awesome. I like it. All right, now that we've got that out of the way, uh, he's, these are all of our social media presences. Uh, like, subscribe, comment on whatever ones you like. Uh, make sure to take a look at the YouTube channel. Everything's gonna be on there. Uh, we have over 800 videos on there. Uh, gaming reviews, Let's Plays, uh, of course, this live stream, and a lot of other stuff that you need to check out. Uh, you wanna know what's going on with the Legion? Well, go to Reddit, go to Facebook, go to Twitter. You'll find out. And if you wanna jump on our Discord, there's our, there's our Discord link, go ahead and check that out. And we have a Steam group set up. Go ahead and check that out as well. And, of course, you can get this audio podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music, and really any wonderful aggregate in the known universe. We'll have this right here. Of course we will. And, of course, if you want to support us, that's great. We love money. We're going to use it to bring you more content. So why don't you buy a shirt? I got mine. It's good stuff. Cthulhu's going to get his because he's helped me host today. He gets a free shirt. Woohoo! That's right. If you want to support us with a Twitch or Patreon, go right ahead. You give us money, we, we buy more games, we play them for you. That's how it works. You want to go direct, or direct PayPal? That's great too. But I recommend getting a shirt. Yeah, there's also mugs and mouse pads and stuff like that. But this shirt feels so good. It's so silky smooth.
1: Those are some nice looking shirts, too.
0: Yeah, they're they're no joke. I mean, they're, they're, Look they they range.
1: Look at those collar, the sleeves.
0: I know, right? Yeah, it's good stuff. Now, let's go into Heathen Dogs Call of Cthulhu, explanation of ancient horror, based on 5th edition Game Worlds. Now, uh, Cthulhu bought his 7th edition while he was at the Comic Con, and uh, maybe if he read through a little bit, he can tell me where they made changes. I don't know, we'll find out. But today's segment is all about mythos creatures. We'll start off with what is a mythos creature? Well, a mythos creature is an alien life form, okay? No Mm -hmm. mythos creatures come from Earth, number one. They never, ever come from Earth. That's how it works, all right? They originate from outer space. That's it. And most of them have a completely different physical makeup, all right, than, uh, than things made on. I'm not talking like, oh, well, they're, they're not carbon-based. Are they silicon-based? No, they're freaking weird-based is what they are.
1: Yeah, one of the most famous ones is uh, uh, Cone.
0: Oh, that is uh, a greater independent race called the, uh, the Great Race, I think they're called. Yes, yes, the yes. planet Yith. Yes, a great age. race of yes. yes, yes. That's right. So, yeah. uh, they they are a special case, and uh, we will get to that uh, after after this. If you want to, if you want to talk about that, but uh, they they range from gods to just old plain old alien creatures. Like the one feature here is a Baiki, and uh, he's just a plain old creature. Creature. He, his uh, his his DNA makeup allows him to uh, to exist completely in space. He flies around space that's what he does uh he, he's, he yeah i know his his makeup isn't so alien that normal weapons won't hurt him they do bullets bullets hurt that's the way it is but uh they're pretty tough and they're pretty strong so now you're thinking well yeah they're alien but they're scary though right well, the short answer is yes the long answer is oh my god <laughs> yes the reason yeah. being is because they are alien in nature your human brain you grew up your entire life with things on earth Okay, your entire life you grew up that way. Anything not from Earth is going to seem absolutely bananas to you. And that's exactly what it is. It's crazy. So yeah, your just, brain's... Go
1: ahead. I was going to say to clarify, when uh, he the Dog says alien, it doesn't just mean like from a different physical location. It means <laughs> completely different than your whole reality and consciousness. Yes. It, yes. It, yeah, real yeah. alien.
0: <laughs> exactly. Your brain can't... Can't compute this. It wants to check out. All right, so that's what, and it's not, it's not just all the parts. It's the whole thing. I mean, each of the parts are scary. I mean, look at this picture I gave right here. It's it's an amorphous uh, mass of eyes and, and seemingly ectoplasm and tentacles. Each one of those things is scary in its own right, but put them together, cuckoo, cuckoo bananas, you're gone. All right, you're toast. Your, your brain checks out. It goes, no, I left an oven on somewhere. I'm leaving. Yep. And you're donezo.
1: Yeah, everything you thought you ever knew is actually wrong when you see one of the
0: mythos creatures. Oh, you're not—you're absolutely not kidding. And uh, the the main—the main reason is that your brain was not built to comprehend these things. You just are not the same species, subspecies, anything, anything close on the on the hmm. on that whole uh, the whole genus type scale to to prepare you for these things. Even the smallest ones, they, 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 they take away less sanity because they're so small. But you look at them close enough, you're like, oh, my God, that, that's not right. You shouldn't have parts there. Those yeah. parts aren't supposed to be that size. It, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. And your brain just goes, no, 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 stop it, stop it, stop it.
1: Even something is normal to, to fans, of this sort of stuff, like a zombie. We see zombie movies all the time, the t-shirts. Yeah. I have, like, stuffed zombie, right? Mm-hmm. But if you actually did see a zombie in real life, the thought that all that stuff was kind of right. I think Would reasonably be horrifying. Yeah,
0: it, you, you will you will take a hit. You'll take a hit just because these are things that you've grown accustomed to being fantasy, accustomed mm-hmm. to fantasy, and becoming accustomed to reality. Completely different thing. You know, they may not send you to the loony bin, but it's gonna rock you a bit, and that's just that's just the way it is. It not rock you like a hurricane. No, not no, in a good way. A good, no, that's the good kind of rocking. This is right. so the bad kind of rocking. <laughs> it's lost so we, exactly, we'll give you some examples. This, like I said earlier, is a bikey, it is a lesser servitor race, which means uh, it's not a very powerful race in the grand mythos scheme of things. And uh, a servitor race is a race that has been conquered, either is conquered or has been conquered several times, and they've grown accustomed or just said screw it, I give up and, and serve and serve whoever's in control at the time. Okay, mm-hmm. these things live. Completely in the vacuum of space, bouncing from star to star, doing whatever it is their their crazy brains think is normal. All right. In the game, these are one of the most summoned creatures because it's relatively easy to summon. They don't they don't take a whole lot of sanity from me when you see one. And they are extremely useful in combat. They have a bite that uh, if it successfully hits, it will attach to the person and automatically drain blood every round, including the round where it attached. So not only do you take the bite damage, but you take strength damage from draining of the blood. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. But one thing I really like about uh, about the uh, Call of the Book is that each creature has a uh, has a little quote in the beginning of it uh, from from the actual uh, novel or story that that it, w- it appeared in. And this one is no exception. Uh, this is a quote from H. P. Lovecraft who wrote The Festival. There flapped rhythmically a horde of tame, tainted, hybrid, winged things. Not altogether crows or moles, nor buzzards, nor ants, nor decomposed human beings, but something I cannot and must not recall. So his brain was trying to liken it to things he understands and failing completely. (laughs) And that's that's what these mythos creatures do. Your brain frantically tries to liken it to something that it knows so it can put it in a box. Like, okay, this thing exists and exists in this box, but mythos creatures defy your stupid box. That's why you lose sanity.
1: Yeah. Like you said before, they fly through space. Yeah, so there's (laughs) no box for you, buddy. Sorry. (laughs) And apparently a person, well, something, could even ride them through space.
0: Yes. Yes, uh, human beings can summon them to take them to other planets, but you have to bring your own space protection. Yeah.
1: Probably yeah. not something the investigators in your game are going to do.
0: There is a spell, and there is a, a way to make a potion to put you in suspended animation for a long space journey. Hmm. Of course, you lose sanity by casting any spell in Call of Cthulhu, so.
1: <laughs> you there's that. Sanity.
0: You lose sanity <laughs> by finding out that that spell actually exists. It's true. You lose sanity, sanity by sanity reading the book that came in. Yes. <laughs>
1: That's right. I saw this book on the shelf. Oh, <laughs> Wendy for Sanity.
0: Wait, what? Darn it. <laughs> all right so we, we will go to another example and th- this one these are elder things i really like these guys and we flip to their page and these are pretty neat. yes El- elder things here we go a lesser independent race now independent race is a race of people who haven't been conquered haven't been conquered in a very very long time and uh, they don't really serve anyone but themselves but they're a lesser race because they don't have a greater impact in the universe at large or or even 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 native species on planets they visit Okay, uh, the the quote from them is also an H.P. Lovecraft Lovecraft novel called Dreams in the Witch House. They represented some rigid barrel-shaped object with thin horizontal arms radiating spoke-like from a central ring and with vertical knobs or bulbs protecting the head and base of the barrel. Each of these knobs was a hub of a system of five long, flat, triangularly tapering arms arranged around it like arms of a starfish. Now, the cool thing about the Lovecraftian creatures is he never drew a picture of them. He only <laughs> described them. So you can have dramatic license in anything that he didn't explicitly describe. You can make them look whatever you want, and he did that on purpose. Uh, it's it's the same reason that... Uh, uh, what's, that? what's the modern-day modern version of this? Um uh uh the stupid movie with the writer? no no it's the, the movie with the with the uh, cloverfield Cloverfield. they didn't show oh, okay, the monster yeah. till the end because they want your imagination to take you away throughout the entire uh majority of the movie to imagine what this thing what this thing uh looked like and to, to top it off uh, the reason that lovecraft never fully explained what these things look like is at the end of that movie Cloverfield when you actually saw the creature you were like oh that's not so bad because you were imagining something <laughs> far worse <laughs> Yeah.
1: Lovecraft, is uh, he, he does that a lot where he just wants to kind of evoke. And yes. He wants to tell you that it's worse than you can possibly imagine. So your brain so tries right, to yeah. imagine it.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you're always going to come up with something worse than he can put in your head. Right. Yeah, because you're you're in charge of your own fears. If you let them run wild, then there you go.
1: Yeah, and it could be, you know, what you could imagine might be worse than what I could imagine. And exactly. they might both be worse than what Lovecraft could imagine. There you I go. I don't know. Right. But, uh, now,
0: uh, the, the Elder thinks uh, they came mm-hmm. to Earth two billion years ago. All right, from from wherever the heck they're from, and uh, they, they they made a civilization here. Now their civilization was wiped out one to, between one two million years ago, by a former slave race. I, b- I believe the uh, Shugoth, yep. was was their slave race, and uh, the the, the uh, Shugoth rose up, you know, like the like the like the Jews of old, and, and threw off the, the the yokes of their oppressors, and and brought them to the brink of extinction. Now uh, it's theorized that some still have cities in the deep ocean somewhere. Uh, yeah. Around around Antarctica, where their last major civilization was, but there's no proof of that because humans haven't found it, and they don't apparently go out much.
1: Yeah. Also, uh, well, okay. Did, there's a really interesting thing about the relationship between the elder things and humanity. Are you mm-hmm. gonna say? Are you gonna comment on that? Go ahead. Okay. The that maybe, Shaga or the elder things started uh, terrestrial life through arcane oh. experimentation. Yeah. Yeah. So, because they like. Um, Heathen dogs. That they made the Shoggoth as a server race, and it's believed that maybe they experimented creating other kinds of life on Earth. So that might be as close as Lovecraft gets to saying where we came from.
0: Right, right. Their, their failed experiments are actually our genetic forebears. Right, right. Yeah, that's that. That is a theory that I read. And I was like, that's awful. I hope that's not true, because <laughs> that would be bad. That would, that would be bad for yeah. my self-image as a as, a, as an investigator. <laughs> yeah.
1: Although it might be better than being descended from deep ones. I
0: don't know. This is rough. Fair, <laughs> yeah. Okay, now uh, because of popular demand, look, it's Cthulhu, the great old one. Yay! <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna read about him, and he's got the longest uh, intro, which I'm not gonna read all of. Yeah. No, I am. I am gonna read it. <laughs> a monster of vaguely anthropod outline, but with an octopus-like head, whose face was a mass of feelers, a scaly, rubbery-looking body. Prodigious claws on hind and fore feet, and long and narrow wings behind. This thing was a somewhat bloated corpulence. It lumbered slubberingly into sight and gropingly squeezed its gelatinous green immensity through the black doorway. A mountain walked or stumbled. That was from H.P. Lovecraft's The Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Now, the whole the whole uh, story guy. He's not a god. He's a great old one. Great old ones are extremely long lived, extremely hard to kill. But not a god. The reason he's got so much press is because he is the most powerful mythos being currently on the planet, based on the planet. Because he's sleeping. Mm-hmm. He's not mm-hmm. dead. He's in a, he's in like a torpor. Uh, mm-hmm. a not, a not so endless sleep in the bottom of the ocean in the black city of relay or riley yeah, yeah. or whatever whatever you want to call it the, you know I'm, I'm not worried about my pronunciation because <laughs> these are these are words that humans were supposed to pronounce so <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there you go all right now he's he, his cult is one of the biggest because he has the ability to send out dark horrible dreams to people that make them go insane and join his dirty little cult right now yeah, that's
1: the cult. Cthulhu. Yes,
0: that's the call. That's the reason that that Lovecraft's uh, story was called the Call of Cthulhu. People hearing the call, the siren call of Cthulhu in their dreams. Now, uh, it's it's prophesied that one day he'll wake up and walk the earth, destroying everything in sight. After the quote is reveling with his worshippers while he does it. Yeah. So, so his worshippers are like, dude, if we get on board when he does wake up, we're gonna be the ones, you know, running around, you know, alive, where everyone else is gonna die <laughs> yeah. horribly. So they figure, well, if this is going to happen anyway, sign me up. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's like if everyone found out Xenu was actually real, it's like, well, God, <laughs> Scientology would get a real leg up in their numbers. Yeah. You
1: know? <laughs> uh, other th- one of the things that's interesting about Great Cthulhu as well, right, is that um, you said that he's not even really a god. He's maybe the high priest of some of the other mythos deities. So part of the idea is that when he wakes up he's so horrible that like his being awake and walking around pretty much destroys earth but then he's going to let all of the other great old ones or whatever they're called the other kind of like r- ring the
0: bell for them as well yeah exactly yeah, yeah he's um, he's the keeper of the alarm clock of of the ultimate chaos and apocalypse for like everyone Cthulhu. yeah the alarm clock <laughs> that's mine that's my <laughs> trademark that so i'm that, making that sure that would, i'm that making that, that. <laughs> yeah. now uh C- cthulhu is mainly served in his in his slumber by the deep ones now uh the the deep ones are hybrid pe- fish people mainly
1: mm. nice
0: it's, yeah it's not great and since uh since he lives in the since he sleeps in the bottom of the ocean in, in, a, in a sunken city uh the deep one can actually visit the actual city and go yeah this is where when this rises we're gonna be here and we're gonna be with cthulhu when he revels and kills yeah, and uh, the the deep ones are not fun, man. They're not fun. Uh, what what they do is they they rape humans, and then uh, when the humans are born, they look more or less uh, human. You know, mm-hmm. they, they may have a couple of weird features, but within the normal spectrum of human weird features, yeah. until until they reach adulthood, between twenty and twenty five, I think some even start at puberty, mm-hmm. and then they, they start to change. They the their their their, uh, their dads' uh, genetic genetic makeup starts to take take Forefront, and they start changing into the fit people, which is not fun. No, it's really not. No, and, it's uh, really bad.
1: One of the better Lovecraft stories where they cover this is called The Shadow Over Innsmouth. Yes. And if you've ever seen the movie Dagon, oh, it's excellent kind of movie. a version yeah. of it. Yeah. Yes. There's a, can we spoil it? No, we shouldn't spoil it, right?
0: It's been out for what? Fifteen years? years? Come on. <laughs> well,
1: the movie Fifteen Years, the book... Is, yeah. Well, yeah, so, the, okay, I guess we can spoil it. Yeah, so, spoiler ahead. warning for this 80-year-old story. Uh, <laughs> the really great thing is the protagonist, who's trying to run away from all these horrible deep ones and fish people and escape and save himself. <laughs> He's a half-breed. Yes, he, so, he starts uh, manifesting toward the end of the book. He does. Yeah. So, uh, he ends up, instead of leaving the scary
0: place, he realizes he is home. Exactly. He's part of it, and he just accepts it. And tra la la, there you go. (laughs)
1: That's right. right, Yeah, yeah. all all love
0: novels have a completely happy ending. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Dreams in the Witch House. uh, The our hero, quote unquote hero, uh, gets gets killed by a rat with a human face. That's
1: right. That's right. Yeah. Did so the yeah. rat,
0: it might have even had a name? I feel like it had it a It did name. have a name. I forget it. I can't remember the name right now, but uh, he actually gets uh gets uh gets eaten through his body and the rat the rat uh, eats through his chest like a like a like alien, like a like a chestburster an alien. It's quite yeah. interesting. Eighty years ahead <laughs> of his time. Yeah, really. Yeah <laughs> it really that's true. was great. Uh,
1: well, actually the alien xenomorph creature from the alien and aliens movies mm-hmm. was designed by this uh I think he was Swiss, but a European painter named Giger, and the name of the book Giger first drew one of those aliens in, he called it Necronomicon. There you go. So maybe he was thinking of a rat when he designed the alien.
0: Or or he just had uh, Lovecraftian influences, probably so. Yeah. 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 Okay, now, what do they all have in common? They're vastly different. You know, we, we, we got, the, we got the, the lesser servitor race, the Bayaki, to the great Cthulhu. Like, what do they have in common? Well, the main thing that they have, they don't really care too much about humans. Humans exist on the planet the same way we think of ants existing on our planet. They're there, they're annoying sometimes, and we squish a lot. That's pretty much it. They have their own agenda. Each one, even even the servitor races, their their agenda is their master's agenda, and they they for that agenda. When, you know, so whenever whenever they they interact with a human, it's to further their own agenda. They're not helping you for the kindness of their heart. They don't have a kindness of their heart. All right, mm-hmm. they're they're doing their own thing. You just happen to be there, and whether you get rolled over or you get you get a bone, and hey, that's it's, it's all it's all it's all up to you if you get on board or not. Yeah. All right. And humans are usually just disposable. I mean, uh, you get a human to do whatever they want, and then you just kill the human, or you just yeah. leave him, or whatever. It doesn't matter to them. You you don't in the in the mostly in the short, but definitely in the long run, you don't matter to a mythic creature. Yeah. You don't. All right?
1: There's actually an interesting series of books called the Repairman Jack novels. Uh, the first one was called The Keep. It's kind of famous, but the whole uh, foundation. Is that there are these two avatars of one the one section of the old gods, the other one the other section of the old gods, and thousands of years ago they were given immortality and power. Sure. And then the old gods just moved on and forgot about them. <laughs> so like, <laughs> all of human history was this battle between their agents, but they didn't care anymore. <laughs> nope. They they'd forgot about it.
0: Yeah, they're like, oh wow, it's still going on. Jeez, it's been <laughs> it's been how long? Yeah. yeah
1: like well oh, that oh right. Oh okay. we forgot.
0: Yeah, you gotta take a break, will you? God. No, so uh, so humans, humans have have only one only one mantra: stay useful or die. Stay useful or die. Yeah, that's basically it. If you still want if you still want uh, things from these mythos creatures, and they've given you things, and you want more things, you stay useful. You keep being more and more useful. They'll they'll keep giving you things because they either haven't lost interest, haven't completed their task, or you're doing a great job and they want you to do more. So yeah. keep on plugging away, buddy, and, and you'll keep receiving the bountiful gifts from the mythos <laughs> creature right. that, that, you've, that you've sold humanity to, most likely.
1: Speaking of useful, let's point out that straight from Arrakis, we have the, one of the most useful supporting characters in the history of science fiction. <laughs>
0: yes, Duncan Idaho. Duncan Idaho, <laughs> Idaho 11 has joined us. Yes, he has. Duncan Idaho is a friend of the stream. He helped us out with some team-ups and stuff, and I'm glad you can make it a little late, but better late than never, man. And, okay, so, uh, the end, of the end of the line to a mythos creature, you're either a tool for their agenda or your food. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically your two options, if you get involved with them. If you don't get involved with them, they don't care, because you're just a stupid human who doesn't matter unless you make yourself matter. Then you're either a food or a tool. That's it. Those are your two choices at this point.
1: Yeah, the only way to win in Call of Cthulhu is literally not to play.
0: Exactly right. I mean, <laughs> you're you're quoting war games, but still, it, it, it's apt. It's apt, <laughs> <Yeah. at>. yes. <laughs> it is.
1: Because you're either gonna go insane or die. It's better just not to know and you stay home. You know, hang out with your wife and kids, go to the movies.
0: Yeah, you don't you don't need that secret knowledge, man. You don't you don't need those that vast wealth. You don't need horrible fame. You don't need that stuff, man. Uh, what was it? Uh, who who did that song? The uh, Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls. Oh, 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 uh, Ecstasy or something? Who was it? I, was I forget it the, name the, name the name of the name name of of the the trio, yeah, uh, go Left go Eye Lopez chase. died, I know that much. <laughs> but, yeah, don't, don't go chase the waterfalls, man, you don't TLC? want it. There you go, boom, there it is, TLC, TLC. TLC. thank you very much. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's exactly what a mythos creature is, it's that beautiful waterfall <laughs> that, that once once you reach it, you're like, oh, this was too much for me, I'm falling off. And that's exactly what happens every single mm-hmm. time, sooner or later you're getting boned. That's what's and happening you're... in that picture in your slide,
1: see the jackals yes. come out of the waterfall.
0: This is a moment before that dude is yeah. boned. He's dead, because <laughs> right. he's done his job. <laughs> the The number one way to to keep serving and surviving a Mythos creature is to never complete your task. <laughs> keep making progress, but once you're done, you're food. <laughs> this exactly. guy's See? about to be done.
1: Yeah, he, he served his purpose and summoned the the Mythos entity, and uh, now
0: he's food. Good job. Okay, so, y'all, done. All right, so that so you know what, let's see how it works with our friend Matthew McNally. Now, in our last episode, Matthew found out that his father had a book, and he researched the book, and he found he found that it was it was a, it was a mythos book. Obviously, he lost some sanity in researching. He found a spell, a spell called a uh, 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 dice of avarice or something like that, and he researched the spell. He learned the spell. He figured out that. Generations ago, his his great grandfather found this book, cast a spell, and that's that's the reason over the generations that his family has been so successful in everything they do. Right? So he, okay. he his family has amassed a great amount of wealth over two hundred years worth of just win after win, no L's, all W's, baby. They just throw up W's all day long, and now he knows why. And the way you do that is every generation, the the family cast this spell. And this cell calls for some very specific things, one of which you have to sacrifice a blood relative. Yeah, okay, that's good, good. All right, so he can just say no, right? Like, no, I'm going to let it end with me, so we won't be so successful from now and perpetuity to the next generation. Yeah. But that's fine, right? No, if you stop the chain, it turns on you. It turns I... from good luck to bad. You'll be destitute in a hurry. You'll you'll get every disease, syphilis, you got it. You know you mm. you, know, you 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 sat in a toilet seat, you got herpes. No one's no one's done <laughs> that before except you. You did it. You got it. Stuff like that. You lose all your money, all your <laughs> all your belongings gonna go up in a mysterious fire. It's just how it works. So you know what? Uh,
1: oh, go, ahead. go ahead. I just had a brilliant idea. So did you ever hear about that famous book, and they made it into a movie about a family, and their little girls got like bone marrow cancer. So and there's nobody is a perfect match for their daughter so they have a second kid to be the donor we need a a mythos version of that with matthew and his family
0: (laughs) that would have helped but but his father guess what had two kids
1: Mm.
0: matthew and his little sister oh jenny Jenny. (laughs) so he couldn't sacrifice his wife because his wife was not a blood relative good point so yeah. he has to sacrifice one of his children but his father died in, a, in our in our first episode of, of let's see how it works so <laughs> Ma- matthew got a hold of the spell and because of all the drawbacks he decided he wants to stay rich so he mm-hmm. has to sacrifice either his mom or his sister mm-hmm. he decides well i i can't sacrifice my sister she's my sister i mean i've been protecting her my entire life okay i gotta go for mom mom mom's gotta go all right. So he prepares for weeks. He draws all the symbols in the basement. He gets all the herbs. He he, uh, he carves he carves an altar out of uh, out of uh, out of wood, out of a out of a, a diseased stump like he's supposed to. And he carves all the sigils in it and, and cr- creates a trough for the blood to flow on the ground and all that stuff. He gets everything ready. OK. OK. And he makes sure that his sister sent away. On some some you know preposterous thing or whatever, just to get her out right. of the house and make sure she's gone. But that so he's alone with mom and no one's there. All the servants were sent away. Everything was gone. So okay. uh, he he drugs his mother. Now she can't be completely unconscious for the for the spell work, but but she can be loopy as heck. So he he loops okay. her out, and uh, he 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 drags her downstairs, ties her, uh, strips her naked because she has to be bare bare to the god. Okay. And uh, he he ties a blindfold around himself, and shuts off the lights. The reason being because he read the spell, he knows that looking at the god Daoloth um. causes you to go super insane because he's like a fifth dimensional being or something. Seeing his actual form, there is no uh-huh. way the human brain can stand that. So he blindfolds himself and turns the lights out just in case. So double he, He's doubling up on that protection. All right. Good thinking. Exactly, and and he's he's running by feel. He's he has his hand on his mother's breast, and the knife right next to it, so he can just use his weight to plunge it into her heart. Okay. When when Dowloth can see it, so he can witness the sacrifice, and after she's she's bled her last drop, uh, Dowloth can actually consume body. That's great. It, it's working out great so far. He's chanting. He has He's to do the chance. To, yeah, he has to do the chance to summon uh, Daoloth to the basement to witness the sacrifice. Only problem is his sister. Uh. Uh, you know, she shook her her, her bodyguards and came mm. back home to surprise her brother with this this cool thing mm. she bought with the last last time she was in Tokyo and, for, and, and forgot to give it to him. So he comes home and uh, doesn't find anyone, but he hears something from the basement. So she goes down in the basement.
1: Oh that's, she, this isn't gonna end well.
0: It's not gonna end well. She she goes down the basement and uh, he and she hears the last chantings of her brother. And then the chanting stop and he's like, Matthew, why are you in the dark basement? And he screams, Don't turn on the light just as she flips the light on. Oh man. So he had just finished summoning Daoloth He's there in, in mm. all in all of his alien otherworldly glory, and she's staring right at him. Mm. Now, she makes her idea roll. All uh-huh. right, to, to, to really understand what Ooh. is happening. All right, let, let's see. Let, I'm going I'm to have her idea because she, she is a very educated uh, young girl, only the best. And, she, and she's actually a good girl because Matthew made sure of it. So, mm-hmm. so she actually did her studies and stuff, and so she has an idea, I'm gonna say, of 65.
1: Now, have you explained that in Call of Cthulhu, that's the role you want to fail?
0: Yes, this is the role okay. you want to fail. You, you don't want to understand what's going that's on, because right. if you don't understand what's going on, then you don't take as much sanity loss, because your brain right. your brain's self-defense mechanism kicks in, like, you didn't really see that. That was just a guy in a mask, you know? Stuff <laughs> like that, that's but right. let's see what happens Oh, 41, I'm Ooh. sorry, Jenny. Uh, seeing seeing Dowloth in his full glory Is 10d100 sanity loss
1: <laughs> You don't start with nearly that many <laughs> No She starts
0: with 50 I'm going
1: to give her 50 Average. That's, that's pretty sane Yeah, that's pretty yeah, good It's pretty
0: sane Pretty sane Although not for long I'm just going to roll this one die <laughs> Rather than roll this thing 10 times Let's see And then just multiply by 10 To see how much she loses 90 Okay She went straight to zero sanity Okay This is, this is, uh, this is what head. happened to Jenny Jenny saw Daloth saw the the uh, the, the fifth dimensional undulating uh, alienness of this being with an eye right in the center but this eye is both there not there it's both in the future and the past at the same time and her brain somehow at this moment understands that Ooh.
2: Mm. and Bad so idea,
0: and so her her brain just completely breaks just shatters she starts giggling she starts looking at Daloth and laughing. <laughs> Matthew can't stop. If he stops the sacrifice right now, Daloth will eat everyone in the room in horrible anger. So he mm. can't help his sister. He can't take his blindfold off. He plunges the dagger into his mother's heart while his broken sister is watching this entire thing.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: And then pulls the dagger out so the blood may flow off of the altar on through through the through the trough in a in the wood that he made uh. onto uh, onto onto the floor where on the floor is a is is a stone uh, bowl big enough to hold all of all of his mother's blood. Okay. And he, he has to wait several minutes. It takes for the mother's blood to fully drain from a body. Daloth drinks the blood. Takes takes the the body from the altar and devours it in a way that his sister's watching this, mind you. Devours it in a way a fifth dimensional being eats, which I can't imagine, but Jenny doesn't (laughs) have to because she gets to see it. And you know what? At this moment, a keeper has to think, how am I going to make this more horrible than it already is? Mm. And as a keeper, you're going to go, here. Jenny puts her hand down her skirt and starts... And starts touching herself in Whoa, sexual me. glee, red, red, watching. Red. Nope, nope. Watching her mother being devoured is now a fetish. People, people being murdered and eaten is a sexual fetish for Jenny. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. This, this, uh, this, this game says it explicitly, and it's in the title, as you can see. I'm going to show you right now. It says ages 12 and up. So, ages 12 and up is fair game, according to Call of Cthulhu.
1: Well, okay, but hold on. Wait, is it appropriate for this
0: podcast? It is not appropriate for this podcast. I'm sorry, okay. but but we, we hit that in disclaimer. We hit that in disclaimer. <laughs> so now, from now until the end of time, because she is irrevocably insane. Uh, Anyone uh, okay. going to Zero Sanity is irrevocably insane. Her insanity is that is that she is aroused by pain and eating cannibalism of murdered bodies. So... And Matthew did that. He has to live with that. So he has to roll his sanity. I'm not rolling an idea roll for for Matthew. He knows exactly what he's done. <laughs> yeah. He knows uh, he did this to his beautiful little sister, which he tried to save. Now he's he lost his entire he, family. It spent, you know, like 15 more minutes in a trip
1: to Home Depot with a deadbolt. <laughs> this would have all been avoided. That's right.
0: But no. Okay, so, so, uh... So uh, he doesn't, he doesn't get the idea rolled Now I got to think, what is the sanity loss for, for turning your sister into a cannibalistic necro, necrophiliac? That is a good um, question. That's I'm going to say at least a 20. I mean, no, 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 uh, no, 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 no. It can't be that high uh, be- because it can't be that high. Uh, you, uh, actually there are rules in the book that uh, stating for yeah. the levels of, of, an, of roles for, look, like what you have to hit like box wise of, of things that are insanity. This one is between a D8 and a D10. You know what, he screwed up so bad, I'm gonna say it's a D10. He rolls, he uses four sanity. So his running, his, his total now is, he was at 73. Now he's at 69 sanity. I mean, he started at 80, so he was... He was wow, a he nimmer. only
1: lost 7 sanity, getting those spells together. That's pretty yes, good. I
0: mean, he rolled really well. He rolled really well for sanity. And he only lost 4. He didn't lose 5 in a 30-minute period, so he doesn't go... He doesn't even go temporarily insane. But yeah. what, what I am going to do is, every time uh, he sees his sister's uh, psychotic behavior because of him, he loses more sanity up until he loses a, the maximum of 10. For, okay. for, the, for what he did to his sister so he's going to lose the extra six he's just going to lose it over time
1: <laughs> he might also
0: rightly develop a phobia. yeah a yeah, yeah. He, he could lose five at a time he's got six to go he could lose five at a time maybe but that is our uh, Heathen Dogs explanation of ancient horror based on 5th edition rules uh, from what little you've read of the 7th edition book does uh, does it correlate so it's far. pretty
1: close. Um, yeah. Now, I haven't went over all the rules, and I haven't went over all the 5th edition rules in a long time. But, uh, like, I was looking along with the sanity point costs, and, it, and it's pretty comparable. Okay. Um, right? If you lose five or more, uh, you have to test your sanity. Right. That sounds like Temporary sanity. Examples of sanity point costs That might be, like, us undergo severe tortures at D10. Right. Uh, see a, or see gigantic severed head fall from the sky. That's two D ten plus one, but I think that's the giantness of it. So it kind of yeah. combines the plus like plus you know it's raining severed head's not great either. Yeah. Yeah. But um like just a horrifically mangled human corpse is a D four plus one. Right. So it right. sounds like it's very comparable as far as Sanity goes. Good. Uh yeah. I I Excellent. might talk about Polka thulu a little bit later and they have some oh, good. modifications to how sanity works and uh, investigator's ability to uh, not necessarily go insane all the time.
0: Yeah, to to navigate this little quagmire of horribleness.
1: Yeah, basically they get a luck score yeah, yeah, and they can definitely. use those for various stuff.
0: Alright, uh, I want to thank everyone for listening uh, for the Call of Cazoola, Explanation yeah. of Ancient Horror. And if you like Heathen Dogma, well, you can see some more. Uh, we have anime and RPG segments here every live stream. Next week is going to be anime. I flip-flop. You <laughs> and uh, you can also see me and Garthon play the Foundry Missions, which which Dunk, Dunk Idaho uh, creates, uh, huh? over, on, over on YouTube, every Monday through Friday. A new episode drops, 8 a.m., every Monday through Friday, including while Garthon is gone. He put Oh, yeah, we put two weeks' worth in the can, but before he went off on his little uh, unsanctioned trip to Argentina. So check that out. You can check those out right now. We're creeping up on episode 100. All right, And, of course, I, I stream uh, on uh, Mondays and Thursdays. And uh, my past streams are Star Trek Online. I went through the entire content uh, at the time, but this this was before season thirteen came out, and went from uh, to, to max level, so that's great. I also streamed uh, StarCraft two, all the whole story from start to finish. To currently, I'm streaming Darkest Dungeon at twelve noon uh, central Central Time, uh, one p.m. Eastern, and uh, I'm not doing well on that at all. <laughs> the the last the last three streams, I team wiped at least once. Okay. It was awful. Um... I hated it.
1: Alright, D- Duncan points out that he doesn't make all of them, but I don't know. if he's No, just he didn't make
0: all of them. He, he makes he makes a lot. He uh, he and his friends at the roundtable make a lot that we play because they're very well made. Mm-hmm. Very well made. And of course, we have some stinkers in there, too. Captain's Holiday being one. Duncan knows about that one. <laughs> he, 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 we told him about it. He played it. He was like, oh my god, you recorded that mess? I'm like, yeah, we did. Check it out. <laughs> and now... It's, it's now Sean Cthulhu's turn with a teachable moment. Take it away.
1: Okay, well, hello, hello, hello. Um, <laughs> oh, my, that's the first time I've seen my uh, picture. <laughs> you like that? Uh, my, so apparently in my history, I failed a sanity check. <laughs> uh, well, what I'm going to talk about tonight is um, that I got to go to Necronomicon. And Necronomicon is the biannual HP Lovecraft Convention, and it's in Providence, Rhode Island. Every few years, uh, Providence is where Lovecraft is from, mm-hmm. and if you are familiar with Lovecraft's work, you may know that a lot of his stories were set in and around Rhode Island and, yeah. and other New, in New England America. area. Yeah, yeah, um, and he was born and died in Rhode Island, in, in Providence. So most of the convention um the necronomicon was held at this hotel the biltmore and the biltmore hotel is actually a very old hotel it was around when lovecraft was alive and lovecraft died in 1937 and this hotel it actually has a reputation of being the most haunted hotel in america <laughs> do you experience
0: and any of that sadly no or uh, i don't I, don't know. Know.
1: I should say sadly i mean I <laughs> yeah, you probably don't... <laughs> don't yeah if, if, if
0: ghosts are real i don't want to know right i don't want now, to know um you can't see it.
1: It's not visually, but the legends from this place inspired a lot of haunted hotels and movies, uh, like even the Overlook Hotel and The Shining. Oh, okay. uh, so it, it's kind of got its own famousness. Okay. But um, yeah, so that was the Biltmore. And this convention was pretty awesome because it combines H.P. Lovecraft fandom in general mm-hmm. with Call of Cthulhu role playing, weird fiction fandom, as well as uh lovecraft and weird fiction movies like there's a bunch of short films and festivals and uh lovecraft and weird fiction academia so i'll talk a little bit about some of the different things uh what you can see now is the chaosium table there and that mike mason Mm -hmm. he's the call of cthulhu line editor and he's one of the two uh, people credited with the seventh edition revision
0: Nice.
1: So yeah, it's pretty cool. It was a collaboration between him, Paul Fricker, and he also wrote this pulp Cthulhu book I mentioned. Pulp Cthulhu uh, is—it's not necessarily Cthulhu in the thirties or the twenties or even the forties, but obviously the paragraph that uh, from Mike's introduction it says. Tired of your investigators dying in quick succession when jaunting around the world in a desperate bid to save humanity? Aren't we all? Yeah, wishing that sometimes your investigator could make a stand instead of hiding and waiting for the elder guard <laughs> <door> to pass. <laughs> Maybe once might be enough, all right? <laughs> nice. So, uh, Pop C- Pulp Cthulhu ups the ante and provides you with tougher, more capable heroes ready to take on the villainous machinations of the Cthulhu mythos. Nice. So, uh, that is pretty cool. I was looking through it, and it gives rules for, um, different degrees of pulpiness. So it can be everything from pretty much standard Call of Cthulhu, all the way up to you could make somebody that's almost a Shadow or Doc Savage. Oh,
0: right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Old-timey radio uh, radio soaps. Exactly. Yeah. Um,
1: And I I mentioned earlier there's a new mechanic in Pulp Cthulhu called Luck. And... I don't know the full extent of it, but your luck score allows you to uh, take points and add them to rolls, so you can spend luck to not die, or ah, not okay. be or to... Yeah, to, to yeah gotcha, gotcha. Like that.
0: Can, can you subtract from rolls? Like, no, I don't want to make that out of your roll. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, That's great. Uh, yeah. It's almost like cheating, though, you know? Oh. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, but it's not like you're going to defeat Cthulhu. <laughs> That's true, <yeah. laughs> There's something so cheating you could do. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think the Shadow could have defeated no, Cthulhu. No, probably not. Uh, but I, And I even got to play my very first Call of Cthulhu role-playing game in, I swear, 10 years.
0: Okay, I, well, think... I want to hear about that in RNG, though.
1: Yeah, okay. I just yeah, have to say, because I think I was with you the last time I played yes, at Town yeah, like, 05. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think it was actually earlier than that, I think.
1: Oh, man, you might be right. That's 2000 terrible. 2000 or 2001. Oh my gosh
0: yeah was that long ago that long ago oh boy okay right. so what are we looking at uh next we have uh we have some plaques here and a grave Ooh. oh yeah so uh, what you're
1: seeing here is you've got the plaque of lovecraft's birth now that building wasn't there no it doesn't look like an old-timey building. Building. Yeah. no it, it's kind of ugly it's just some apartment complex yeah. like across the street literally there's a Starbucks. i'm not joking sure um but anyhow so that's his birthplace And the other picture is his tombstone. So Lovecraft was born in Providence, and he died just, I don't know, not even a few miles away. I think that cemetery is less than five miles from uh, his birthplace.
0: Ah, okay. Well, I got to tell you right now, whoever Byron Whitford was, he had more money.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. Lovecraft died poor. He Didn't even get that tombstone until I want to say the 70s. And Providence didn't even acknowledge Lovecraft as, you know, a special citizen or son or icon until maybe 1990. So it's. Oh,
0: Elgarian, thanks for for joining us. Appreciate it. All right. Looks like we also have. uh, we, we Garth, also have Garth on. Garth. Yes, he is. He's in Ar- Argentina right now, and okay. uh, Ar- he has to be using some kind of weird VPN. Apparently, um, it looks like the NSA sent Mickey after him. Somebody Mickey? I guess I guess you turned him. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's
1: great. So anyhow, yeah, he, he mentions that smaller cons are the best, and he's right. This was a smaller con, and it was fantastic because I had time to go and tour Providence, and that's mm. so much fun. Like There's uh, all these great haunted houses. And one of the things about Lovecraft is he was actually born rich. And he was born into this house that was a mansion because his grandfather was a very successful businessman. Well, his grandfather died when Lovecraft was 13, and their family lost all their money.
0: Because apparently his his, his dad wasn't very good. No, his dad had already gone
1: insane and been hospitalized and died.
0: Oh, oh good, good,
1: all right. It pretty much happened to all of his relatives. Great. <laughs> his mom and his aunt. So Lovecraft gets raised by his mom and his aunt, and they move a few blocks away, like not across the country, not even to a different town, a few blocks away into a duplex. Okay. So he goes from this mansion with servants and everything to listen to the other family, you know, do whatever <laughs> through the
0: walls. <laughs> right.
1: That's pretty interesting. It's, a it's lot not of...
0: interesting at all. <laughs> it's very sad, really. <laughs> It's, it's, sad. Our, our, it's sad. Yes, it's sad. Our, on our next slide, we have a, we have a looks like a commemorative a commemorative thing and a bust of something. Mm-hmm. What's that about? Yeah.
1: So the the commemoration that plaque is actually the first recognition from the city of Providence of Lovecraft, and it was put there in August twentieth, nineteen ninety, which was the centennial of his birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I don't know if you can read it, but what it says is. I, can, I never can be tied to raw new things. For I first saw the light in an old town, where from my window huddled roofs sloped down to a quaint harbor writ with visionings. Streets with carved doorways where the sunset beams flooded old fanlights and small window panes, and Georgian steeples topped with gilded vanes. These are the sights that shaped my childhood dreams and that's him talking about providence. Right. So oh, he
0: must have loved his hometown. He never left, so maybe something yeah. about it.
1: Well, he left briefly, but he hated it. He went to New York and he was miserable. Um yeah, it's one of the times where an author is really tied to a place. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested and you like the stuff, walking around, you really feel like you can. You're living in one of his stories and seeing. And he would have characters live in houses around town and visit, like the Ladd Observatory, or uh, he had a cult operating out of a church that's the oldest Baptist or Episcopal or one of the denominations. It's the oldest one of their churches in the U.S. And in one of oh. his stories, he had a cult inside. Nice. What about the bus? Now, the bus, uh, this is a really cool thing. It was called the HP Lovecraft Bronze Bust Project. And in 2013, um, some very famous folks, some celebrities um, like Guillermo del Toro and some other few famous folks decided that they wanted to get together. And they worked actually with Chaosium and Dark Horse Comics, and they ran a Kickstarter to put uh, the statue, this bust of Lovecraft inside this library because this was one of Lovecraft's favorite libraries when he was alive. It's called the Athenium, and he would go there and he would read all the time because he was poor and he loved to read. So, this was a, a Kickstarter that I was a part of. Oh, okay. yeah,
0: Is your name so on the bust?
1: It is not. No, those no. are people that gave, like, a lot of money. Oh, okay. Alright. <laughs> yeah, I think I gave, like, 50 bucks. And those people probably all gave like a $1,000. But yeah, like Lionsgate and Fangoria mm-hmm. and Mike Magnolia, the creative Hellboy, okay. they were all like those are the names on that plaque. I'm sure they give a lot more money than I did. Um, Great. So those are some of the things you could see around town that are specifically Lovecraftian. But like, you could see houses he lived in and wrote in. But uh, I mean, it's cool to see, but pictures are just, you know, if you like architecture,
0: <laughs> yeah, be there neat. it is. Yeah, there it yeah, is
1: super interesting photos but uh that's something you can do at the conference there the convention and i thought that was pretty darn neat to be able to do that stuff
0: well yeah it, 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 it does sound great i'm sorry that it only happens every other year that is a shame but i should yeah. point out your
1: listeners will be interested to know that unfortunately it's often the same week as Lo- uh, gen con yeah so that's why like, you have to choose and... yeah. yeah they only sent two people i'm sure if it was a different week they would have had the whole company there yeah but uh
0: gen con i mean you gotta yeah you, you gotta gen. yeah you, you gotta you gotta throw your a team at gen con i get it I get yeah it. exactly all right so but, um but so, uh, i want to yeah go ahead and thank you for uh for sharing your pictures in the con list that was great yeah no problem i can't recommend it enough Just, there's
1: so much stuff there if you're into movies or if you're into lovecraft art or if you're into the call of Cthulhu, the gaming or if you're into the old pulp magazines and the books or you want to find cool I don't know, freaky looking jewelry or whatever, you know. There's so many different kinds of things there and that's a really nice thing at a con.
0: Awesome, awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, normally at this uh, this is part of the program where we go to Garthon's comic pool. But we're not, because Garthon didn't pull any comics because he's in Argentina running from the I'm sorry, negotiating with the NSA. So instead, we are looking at Garthon's Electric Life, where he will show well he would tell us in electronic format. Being, he's a recording in this one, uh, about the video game Razor for the Super Nintendo. And we are going to start that right now.
2: Hello everyone, welcome to Garthon's Electronic Life, GEL, where we talk about games from the past. Maybe that are super popular, maybe need a little more love, but I just want you to think about them a little bit. Maybe a little twinkle in the eye, a little smile on the face. So let's get to it, shall we? It was back spring break of 1992. And I was hanging out at my friend Steve's house. you're staying out there quite a bit. You see, Steve's parents had a tendency to rent him video games and consoles that I hadn't seen. And at this occasion, I was staying at his house, playing the marathon sessions of Dungeons and Dragons. And in between that, uh, we went out one day and we rented... Uh, Super Nintendo game that we hadn't seen before. The cover looked kinda cool, had like this weird metal on it, and lightning from the sky hitting pyramids, and that sounded pretty cool to us. The game was called Act Razor. Kinda looks like this Act Razor or something title. It looks a little weird to us, but Act Razor it was. And so we popped it in and we heard that theme song and we were pretty incredible coming from the system at the time. And this is one of the games that always made a big impression on. Back then, we marathoned that game all weekend uh, during that spring break, and we eventually beat it. Beating the final boss and saving the world from evil. And then saw its poignant and kind of surprising ending, which we'll get to later. But Act was developed by Quintet and released by Enix before they joined Uncle Square. Directed by Meyasa Hashimoto and designed by Ayano Koshiro and Yusuhiro Fukushima. Written by Tomoyoshi <laughs> Miyazaki. And the music was composed by Yuzo Koshiro. Uh, really just a fantastic soundtrack for that. actually won a number of awards for that so. Uh, released in North America, November of 1991. And it's a really fascinating game because it's a mix of an action platformer and a SimCity Light city builder simulation. You see, in this game, you act as the master, basically, you are God. Um, and you're fighting against the evil Tandro, who is essentially, you know, Satan. Uh, also called the evil one in the instruction book, as I recall. But you start off on your cloud in the sky talking to an angel who says, Hey, Master, you've woken up. That's great. The people are in trouble and they need your help. And so you have to go and defeat Tantra and his six lieutenants as you go across the world. And the music is light. It's beautiful. It draws you in. The graphics are nice and clear. For uh, It's an early Super Nintendo game, but it really does a great job of the system and has a strong use of Mode 7 as you plunge from your sky palace and inhabit one of your ancient statues. Make the statue come to life and proceed to use your big ol' sword to beat the snot out of every evil thing that dare stand in your way as you free the land from evil. That opening level is fantastic. Um, the control is tight, the weapon slashes feel satisfying with your hoo 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 as you're chopping up the bad guys. But make no mistake, uh, this game, the action sequence can get pretty dang tough. Not Nintendo hard, but pretty tough, and so you really start appreciating the tightness of the control. Um, it's not floaty; you don't have great control of your jumps, but everything works the same way every time, so it's easy to understand what's going on. The comments are too difficult, you get some magic abilities to it. And at the end of all the major stages, you get fight a fight a boss, of course. These bosses are actually based off ancient religions, if you start paying attention to them. Um, there's some Hindu deities, there's a Sphinx, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there. But after you beat the first opening level, Cleared of Evil, um, it goes to the city builder mode, where these two people, a man and a woman, kneel down at your altar and they say, oh master, can you please help us? And then it goes into a really interesting city builder mode, where you have to set up where the town expands. Uh, you don't have control of building crops it's not too detailed but the idea is you get them to build to the point where they can seal up the monster layers to protect them at the same time controlling a little angel who helps you cast magic spells to take out the monsters uses a little bow and arrow to take them out as well and while you're doing this the story slowly unfolds of these people asking for help and at one point someone's son goes missing You he help find him and the son says oh well i was gone i found this and it's a monster layer or an item you need later on every town you rescue has its own little story that unfolds and you feel like you're a part of it you feel like you're actually helping people and it's really great as it goes on um all the different and at the end of every city builder sequence it goes into another action sequence where you beat the boss for that town and then it goes, hey, maybe you could help out the next city. Um, eventually throughout the game, you need items from one city to help the other. Like, one city learned how to build bridges, and you have to build that bring that technology to another city. Um, at one town, near the end, they all get a plague. And the cure for the plague is on the island town. Uh, which you have to go then do that. And they say, hey, we have a lot of problems with mosquitoes and stuff here. We found the cure for plague. Maybe other people could use it. Like, great, you go to the other town to help them out and it really is a great story going through all of it. And you really feel connected to what's going on, which is incredible for what they're doing. Uh, The mix of how they do it is also very surprising. Uh, The action levels are very tight, as I said before. A lot of platforming, a lot of going. Um, And also, you have to learn the patterns of the monsters. In fact, I think they were so fond of their platforming that after you beat the game, it actually has a professional mode. Where you could go and fight just the bosses or just the action levels. Not my favorite part of the game, I actually was more fond of the city building part, um, but it is a nice added bonus. However, Season 7 was too fond of it when they made Act 2, which was all action, platforming, hitting things with a sword, but now you had wings to try and jump, and the control was terrible, the flight mechanics were awful, the combat was floaty. the monsters were too tough, there were tons of cheap instant deaths, um, so Actraiser 2 is a god-awful game you should never touch. One more time about Actraiser 1, which is good. But as you go through, you learn different magical abilities, different spells, uh, you can, throw lightning, you can cause earthquakes, it actually seems kind of cool to cause earthquakes, but, as you'll find that as you go through the city building stages, uh, their technology will advance, first they start building straw huts, then they'll build st- uh, wood buildings, then they'll build stone buildings. And the stone buildings don't get knocked over by the earthquake. And once your town gets, starts making stone buildings, um, all those old straw buildings become really inefficient, so uh, little Wrath of God knocked down with the earthquake, uh, you are naughty in my eyes, because you're not efficient, and then they rebuild stone buildings. And with better crops, because it'll knock down, uh, corn crops or rebuild wheat, which is a lot more efficient for your towns. And the more efficient your talents are, the more powerful you become, and you get more abilities, and your character gets higher levels, so you do more damage and have more health. And you need that more health, because when you start fighting these bosses for these levels, they start licking you pretty good if you don't have a good amount of health. But the game compensates very well for that and becomes a lot of fun to play. Now, one of the reasons I really want to talk about this is because of the impact the story had on my young brain. As you're going through and helping all of these people, um, they all encode your problems, my son is missing. Um, this man who believed you, who, like there's one town where they have this one major prophet and the whole time like, oh your prophet is this, your prophet is that. And then through time he becomes an old man and his last wish is to know that you miss him and you weep for him as he goes. So you actually see like this little figure laying in front of your temple and you put a rainstorm over him and he dies and it's kind of a beautiful moment that he dies with your tears upon him. and. Just these little things just meant so much to my middle school brain. I was just blown away that that happened, and I just felt more connected to what's going on. And there's other... As I said, every town has a story like that that makes you feel a little something. A little more connected, a little more hopeful. And that's what, as I alluded to in the beginning, the ending was so surprising. After going and defeating all the monsters, bringing everyone together, protecting everyone, after you defeat uh, Tanza or Satan at the end, you find that your temples are empty, and the people aren't there praying to you. And your little angel there starts talking to you like, oh, I guess maybe after all that, maybe they don't really need a god anymore. And then after that, I just, the game just kind of ends. It speaks in a hopeful tone that now they can protect themselves so they can do good things. It also gives you the impression that that's how the game must have started. That's why you were awakened after your slumber. And that after the people thought they didn't need you, maybe society fell? And now they need you again? So I just I kept wondering what statement they're trying to make by now, but it's also you do see that as a society becomes more technical, uh, more self-sufficient, they don't seem to need their deities anymore. And I found that very poignant. I still do, I think. I actually replayed this game recently, and that moment, even though I knew it was coming, still struck me. So they really do a fantastic job of that. Um, this is also one of those games that I wonder over and over again why it never got a modern remake. Maybe it's a blessing, maybe it's a curse. I mean, the sequel was terrible, but it seemed to miss the point of the game. Um, the underlying connection it made by helping these societies, by helping to build their societies, by acting in that God Builder role, create, uh, shaping their towns, uh, being needed, and not just a uh, big shirtless thug with sword, uh, killing all the evils like you were in Act Dragon 2. Which is that awful game. It's the game. Don't buy it. Don't play it. Don't emulate it. Uh, warn your friends. Don't even speak his name to me come out, but in this game, the connections it makes are what really makes you want to play the game. The city building is simple but effective, the combat is simple but effective, everything looks really nice for an early Super Nintendo game, everything flows very nicely, and it has one of those stories that just brings you in. I'm hoping for the future that Square Enix will actually make a sequel to this game, a proper reimagining your sequel, with full city building elements, maybe an online component, hopefully not DRM, or mandatory online, because that is always terrible, but I've always wondered what happened to those societies after you left, after they decided they didn't need you anymore. Were they actually able to hold together? Would that be an interesting continuation? Would it be a modern game? Would it be ancient again? Or just a whole reimagining? But either way, I really do recommend ActRaiser. It's not just something i played in my youth, like I said, just played through it recently, and it still holds up very, very well with its sharp action, its fun city building, and its interesting take on the god building uh, genre. Now to mention, the soundtrack is just super solid, can't say enough good things about it. It was actually rated uh, number one of top ten big games that fell off by ScrewAttack in 2007, and it was awarded Best Music in 1993 by Electronic Gaming Monthly, so it's won a couple awards but it's not one of those games you really see of too much about. Uh, it can be... As far as I know, it's not available for download from any store right now. But if you want to adventure into the dark, evil world of emulation, you may be able to find it there. Or, if you still have a working Super Nintendo, you could find one pretty cheap, actually. Which is surprising, it's just one of those games that is an excellent game, but because, uh, even though it didn't sell super well, because it's not one of those super popular games, you could pick one off, off eBay for twenty bucks or less if you're looking. So again, my friends, I highly recommend Saving the World, being the DD you always wanted to be, floating in your sky palace, sending down plagues and throwing lightning bolts and sealing evil in their layers with Act Razor. Thank you everyone for listening. Have a great Diurnal Anomaly.
0: yep i clicked it but it didn't unclick sorry about that uh if you want to if you want more garthon then uh, you can uh, check out garthon at uh, Garthon's comic pool here every week most weeks not this week and not next week sadly uh or our team ups uh with with uh with duncan idaho who's in the chat right now uh we we did one with him with him on our shoulder like like Jimmy cricket like uh like sean said and uh we ran through that one it was pretty fun and garthon streams final fantasy 14 sunday nights at 9 p.m uh 9 p.m central time 10 p.m eastern but not this Sunday. This Sunday is going to be Heathen Dog, and he's going to be streaming Observer. And, fun fact, uh, you, you can watch it. Yes, it's with Rutger Howard. It's good stuff. You'll like it. Yeah. Uh, you can watch that live on Twitch, but you won't be able to watch a replay on Twitch. Uh, I'm moving all of them to Patreon, so you're going to, have to, you're going to have to be a subscriber to Patreon to see all the blood, gore, and violence, because it is mature content. Definitely. Yes, he is. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. As a matter of fact, it came to light uh, years ago. I read that, uh, that his little uh, his speech, with, right before he died in Blade Runner, he basically threw out the script that had, that had those lines, and he made it himself it, with, with some collaboration with the director. But uh, yeah, he made the whole thing. It was spectacular. Oh, man. It was, it was chilling. Yes, it was chilling is what it was. So again, thank you, Gartha, for your, uh, your video game review and Garthon's electrical life, we appreciate it. Now, onto our RNG, our random number generator where all the stuff that happened during the week just rolls off our heads and onto the floor, so you can see. You are muted, okay, there we go, Uh. and you're okay now. (laughs) Wow, I completely fumbled that one. I clicked on the wrong two things, that's what I did.
1: Oh, I thought the NSA was Going for Garthon, and they accidentally hit me instead. There you and go. You were they were engaged in some hacker duel with them to <laughs> That's exactly cover my audio stream.
0: That's exactly what happened. Damn, i say. Anyway, ah, we're hitting man. RNG, and I want to know about about Cthulhu's uh, f- first foray into gaming Call of Cthulhu in over 10 years. Let me let us have it.
1: <laughs> it's embarrassing and sad it's that embarrassing. it's been that long. But uh. <laughs> So, okay, I'm going to have some of the names for this stuff wrong because this game I was in uh, took place in Burma. And the Keeper had actually gone on a trip to Burma and had built a lot of the game around things he saw there. Mm -hmm. But I've just let me say off the bat, it was spectacular to play Call of Cthulhu again. It was so much fun. We started about 5, and we went to like 11.30, and it was awesome. There were four of us playing and it was an oddly multi-national group like i was the only american there was a scottish guy an english guy and a polish guy and that sounds <laughs> like the setup for a joke doesn't it it does it
0: sounds like you're all gonna walk into a bar for any minute yeah. just any minute no.
1: <laughs> it does but it was the thing i noticed about uh uh necronomicon there were a ton of europeans there but um so apparently they like lovecraft and call cthulhu who knew sure Anyhow, uh, so this game, uh, the setup was that I was Mickey Wu. I was actually a Chinese doctor, medical doctor, okay. and I had an addiction problem.
0: Of course you did. Most doctors do. <laughs> I
1: know, right? Uh, I, I was addicted, but since I was kind of in uh, some sh- some some crappy places, I was addicted to booze and uh, what's this stuff you smell people used to be addicted to it all the time oh ether. oh
0: ether yes ether yep. yes
1: so i had an ether habit and a booze habit sure. and uh i was uh, that had led me to being in the hole with some gangsters and i had been on the run from china and i had went into burma which When I was there, I was still trying to be on the run. I got hooked up with a humanitarian mission to rescue some group of people that had gone in to some civil war zone and gotten lost. Right. So, but I'll give you, uh, well, just give you a little. uh, Yeah, give us a
0: synopsis of what what happened. That'd be good. Yeah,
1: um, they were taken or killed by combatants.
0: Sure. Exactly.
1: The one of the factions, the faction fighting against the government, had decided that losing sucked and one of them came across a some mythos tomes and an ancient i forget the entity's name cuz of course we never learned it in the game but uh it was uh, this ancient elephant god kind of thing and uh if you look on the cover of the 7th edition um you investigators you handbook, oh, no, no, you invest- don't have that one. yeah okay, yeah uh, you can see it on their website I him, So there's sure. this statue of this elephant god and that's actually the entity that was they're trying you know to what? summon i think
0: i have a picture of him I have a picture of the elephant god. It, I remember. I remember looking at it.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, go, 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 I don't know. Keep, keep going while I look. Okay. So anyhow, so um, we uh, set out. Me and some other group, and there were some undercover agents who were posing as an ethnic minor, uh, a Burmese ethnic minority Christian rock band. Um, <laughs> yeah, they they were not That's at all awesome. musicians. They were. That's they awesome. had Machine guns and explosives. <laughs> they could barely play music, Grace. but um, their lead singer actually knew a few uh, mythos spells, and he he could cast those using. Um, he had to perform, so he would do like his songs, and he would cast those. <clears throat> so we ended up uh, actually encountering. You were saying that the biaki, however you say that, they're one of the most common creatures, and sure enough, they were the first mythos creature that we encountered as we're taking our little um.
0: Of course you do. Oh, I think I, the up the
1: river. I
0: think I found the elephant guy. Up
1: the river. I found the elephant guy. There he is. Yeah, we. There he is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. him. Yeah, there's like a really cool, like painted version of that on the cover of the new.
0: Mister <laughs> Mister yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's evil. Well, the
1: funniest Chognar, thing. Chognar
0: Chognar Fawn, a great
1: old one. Uh oh whoa, he's pretty hardcore. Yeah. We um. There were, there's some stuff where we like I said the biaki and I actually got pulled off the boat by the biaki and, and almost are. killed. Uh, it kind of my guy was not much for combat. I mean <laughs> he was like this little strung out junkie. He's actually a good doctor, but uh, that was pretty much all he was good at. So um, eventually we like found the rebels and we got past these biaki and then we found out where they were holding their seance or whatever to try and actually summon this elephant god and we get there and we snuck in and there were actually two guards who who were like human elephant god half-breeds so they actually had these giant noses okay and um, trunks trunk noses and one of the most memorable things ever was two of the other investigators who had some some combat skills they went up to take them out silently so the rest of us could all sneak in and they end up getting into a wrestling match get the first one and then the second one notices they're in a wrestling match and so one of our our investigators uh, chokes him to death with his nose
0: (laughs) grabs his nose and wraps it around his neck (laughs) yeah
1: it stuffs it in his mouth he stuffed it in his mouth it's his nose right and it's his mouth so (laughs) that's awful (laughs) Yeah, it must have been, you know, 10.30 at night. We've been playing for a while, so we were silly. But still, it it was a memorable image of choking this human elephant thing to death with his own nose. Uh, But unfortunately, that same kind of ridiculous uh, mythos half-breed drove my poor investigator insane.
0: (laughs) Fully insane or just temporarily insane?
1: Uh, uh, For the rest of the night. Um, oh, okay, yeah. My no, guy was long not long very sane to start with. He had 30 sanity to start oh, with. Oh, yeah,
0: well, junkies usually aren't. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And, you know, he'd been involved in some shady stuff and the, the medical stuff, and he and the adventure was already down to 22 because uh, from the Yaki, and we saw some other nefarious mythos sort of action. So mm-hmm. he wasn't doing so hot. He went catatonic.
0: Of course. That's, the, that's yeah. the most useless form <laughs> of insanity. I know it
1: sucked. But what it did allow me to do, the, the keeper, you know, he didn't want me to just sit there and be bored. So for the last big encounter, when the rest of the party got down to the cultist chamber, mm-hmm. he let me play one of the other musicians. And this musician had what, well, one, he wasn't really a musician. He was an explosives lunatic. And he okay. had um, a compulsion that's apparently a real world compulsion where you eat plastic explosives.
0: Yeah, there there is there is a real world compulsion where you eat edible things. I forget what it's called.
1: Yeah, that but was true. Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, something happened, and he also failed sanity checks and went insane. <laughs> oh, by the way, I forgot to mention Mickey Wu. My doctor was really smart, so he had an intelligence of 90. So he was really oh, good. He had, a, he had an idea like, roll of 90. He
0: had an idea yeah. roll of 90. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so he got that, everything. He did. He <laughs>
1: got it. And, <laughs> and that was a real unfortunate thing. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, so then my second character of the night he also goes insane but thankfully he went insane in a much more entertaining way um he had c4 with him so he went violently insane and he just started sticking blasting caps into his c4 throwing them he actually threw one on the nose of the elephant god statue and so he was simultaneously eating pieces of c4 and throwing them throwing the rest around yeah yeah, so so he was also insane. So I got to play two different characters in one one shot, and they both went insane. Let that be a lesson to you about Cthulhu.
0: It... Outstanding. Thank you very much for sharing that. That was
1: awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was pretty awesome.
0: So you were there until 1130 at night when this game wrapped?
1: Yeah, at least. Wow. It, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Good, good. Um, One thing about Necronomicon is that it's kind of like Gen Con and that all of, the, all of Cthulhu games sell out. So if you want to do Call of Cthulhu, you have to register early or, like me, get lucky and have people cancel.
0: Right, there you go. Yeah, I mean, uh, when when I go to Gen Con, I usually get a whole bunch of generic tickets because you can turn them in later to get your money back. But you need those generic tickets to jump in a spot where someone maybe want to do something else. And that's it. So that's good stuff. Yeah.
1: And uh, the Necronomicon doesn't... Have you register for events like that, which I think might be a mistake, and they should do something like that. Well, how do you, how do you, you register
0: would, for these events? though?
1: you just sign up for free,
0: yeah. um,
1: online. Oh, okay, a, okay. And I think the problem there is that people sign up and then they don't show up because right. there's no loss to them.
0: Right, right. I mean, it doesn't cost anything. Yeah, exactly. You know, whatever. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, but a lot, a lot more people show up to gen con stuff because you have to buy the tickets beforehand, you know, so right. you're spending like between a dollar and three fifty, sometimes even four fifty or five fifty, to to play a game. You're more likely to show up than if you're just free.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But um I have to say this was a lot of fun. Um I wish I had written down the keeper's name. I'd throw him a shout out, but he did a really great job of You Is have a the name on fun. any of
0: the character sheets? I don't.
1: I'm scanning oh, it right now and I actually wrote down my fellow investigators' names, so oh, uh God. Uh <laughs> Derek, Chris, and Simon. If you happen to be listening, you were a lot of fun to play with. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent, Yeah. So that was my uh, that was my experience with Call of Cthulhu.
0: Now, even, my, though, you, even though both your characters went insane, did you have fun playing it?
1: Oh my God, I had a blast. There it was go. the best, it was so much fun. That's what matters. Yeah, it was great. I liked it a lot. Of... Okay,
0: good. And with that, everyone, thank you very much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Definitely. <laughs> and uh, if you want, you can like, subscribe, comment, do whatever you got to do uh, for for Twitch, YouTube. But, um, check us out. We're everywhere. It's good stuff. I'm telling you. Uh, if you want to support us again, please, these shirts are awesome. I'm telling you. Like I said, I'm <laughs> wearing mine. Cthulhu going to get his for being on the program.
1: Oh, you guys are just too kind. Thank That's you. Right.
0: Right. So, uh, do you have any final thoughts, final, any wisdom do you like want well, to
1: lay on us? I, I don't think I should share any starry wisdom, because then you might have to make an idea roll and a sanity check. But I would like to thank Duncan Idaho. I hope he's enjoyed his nuggets. <laughs> and also thank, uh, our other fan, Garthon.
0: mean, <laughs> <Being> the host? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: the, the, that's true, I guess he's a host, but, uh... <laughs> those guys have been chatting tonight, yes. and that's be cool.
0: Thank you very much for everyone who chats in our live stream. We really appreciate it. And we, what we also really appreciate is our subscribers and donators. Uh, Hick206 from AZ Fame, Elgarian uh, who is a Shrouded Avatar, uh, avid player and contributor, and of course Sherus, who all, all three are Patreon supporters, which we really like. And I want to spe- say a special shout out to Baldahar and Spectrofire, uh, friends of our, our Twitch channel who've uh, helped us out a whole lot. And of course, uh, our PayPal donator alan51 thank you very much for helping out lee if everyone appreciates it so, yes thank you very much so that's it folks thank you very much for tuning in this live stream i hope that i didn't set up too bad for you and i hope that uh that you're going to tune in next week even though garthon still won't be back and this negotiations take a long time lots of fine mm. print, lots of detail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but until then people thank you very much and you all have a great night
1: good night everybody.